This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Well, let's open the Word of God, shall we? I want you to open your Bible with me in the Old Testament to the book of Daniel. Daniel has, in recent days, taken on a whole new dimension for me for many reasons. One, it's a book of prophecy. I think we're living at the end of the age. Uh, We are are seeing the finish line in view. Two, it's a book of persecution, and everybody knows there's persecution going on both around the globe, and it's coming home very shortly. Uh, But ultimately, it's a book of prayer. Daniel was not just a prophet. He was a praying man, and therein lies, I think, the great secret to how he understood so much and stayed faithful through the entire Babylonian captivity. This was a man who stayed in touch with God no matter what was touching him. So no matter what's going on around him, he's looking heavenward and staying in tune with the Lord. Tonight, I want to draw your attention not to Daniel. I want to draw your attention to his three friends. You know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I don't know why we call Daniel by his Hebrew name and them by their pagan names. I really don't. Uh, But their names are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And uh, those were God-given names and names that connected to Jehovah. I was some time ago not preaching from this passage, but just used it as an illustration. I said, what about Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah? And somebody in the back of the church said, who? And I thought, we need to go back and learn this story again. Because these are the three Hebrew children that took their stand when everybody else was bowing. Now, let's read a little bit of the story in Daniel chapter number 3. We'll break right into the middle of it. Uh, they've been brought before Nebuchadnezzar, who is not too happy that they've not bowed to his image. And in verse 14 of Daniel 3, we read this, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember, those were the names his people had given them. Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made, well... But if you worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? May I pause and say, he was about to find out the answer to his question. Because there's a king greater than Nebuchadnezzar, and there's always a God greater than any man. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He turneth it whithersoever he will. Look, men may rule, but God always overrules. So verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Pause just a moment. That sounds pretty confident. I mean, if if what they had to say stopped there, you'd say, man... I mean, they looked the king in the face and said, our God is not only able, our God will. Now, I'd like to stop there and preach a little while, and everybody would say, amen, 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 but that's not all they said. And in fact, that's not the greatest statement of their faith. The greatest statement of their faith is found in the next verse. 
Verse 18, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. It is faith to say God is able. It is a greater faith to say God will, but it is the greatest faith to say if he doesn't do it my way, I'm still going to trust him came tonight to speak on this simple little subject. What if it doesn't get better? What if it doesn't get better? Well, the last several months, I keep hearing people say, it's going to get better. How many of you have heard that? How many of you have said it? It's going to get better. May I ask you tonight, believers, would you hear me with your heart? What if it doesn't get better? Now, for the record, let's get this out of the way. I am an optimist by nature. My wife says I am overly optimistic at times about things I should not be optimistic about. I, I just think that's, that's all going to work out. That's all going to be. And it doesn't always work out just because you think it's going to work out. How many optimists are among us? Would you raise your hand, please? God bless you people. How many pessimists are among us? Be honest. Your spouse knows. Raise your hand big and high, all you pessimists. Very good. Thank you. How many of you are ashamed to vote? Would you raise your hand in the air? If I really wanted to know, I'd ask the people that live under your roof. They know. And the truth is that the truth lies usually somewhere between the two extremes. On one hand, there are those that say, oh, it's going to be all right. It's going to get better. But, but what if it doesn't get better? And then there are those on the other end of the spectrum that it's always going to get worse. You know anybody like that? I call them Eeyore Christians. That's what they are. They're Eeyore Christians. Do you remember Eeyore? We're getting spiritual now. How many of you know who Eeyore is? You know, everything's bad. It always went on a down note. And I say to you, for a child of God, it ought not be that way. Look, the best day you're ever going to live is the day you see Jesus face to face. So how bad can it get? The worst thing that can happen to you is you die and you go straight into the presence of the Holy God for eternity. I'd say that's a pretty good ending right there. The path of the justice is a shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day, not less and less. Jesus always saves the best for last. But I'm talking about in this life, right now, what if it doesn't get better? I think this particular season in our, in our world has been a season of pruning in churches. It has been a season of purging in the lives of Christians. And I think one of the things that God is doing in us is he's starting. I don't think any of us are there yet, but he's starting to mature our faith. I mean, when I hear about believers in Afghanistan who are willing to take their stand, bear the name of Jesus, and be martyred for their faith, I'm so ashamed of me for grumbling and complaining over my inconveniences, over the things that I think really are bad. You know, I think it's time, frankly, for some of our faith to mature that if God doesn't do it our way, can we rest in the fact that God's way will always be right? Let me ask it this way. What if you don't get your way, but God gets his way? Can you be content with that? Years ago, a man that I loved and have the greatest respect for. He was trying to help me, but he wounded me. It was a good wound. It was a wound of a friend. I, I could take you right where we were standing on a certain parking lot, and he said to me, you know, Scott, something that I have observed about you, I was a very young man at the time, he said, something I've observed about you is that when things don't go exactly like you think they're going to, it really blows you away. And my immediate response was, it does not. <laughs> but <laughs> as I reflected on it, I discovered he was right. 
And when things didn't go exactly like I'd planned and exactly like I'd ordered and exactly like I'd envisioned, it really just blew me away. And yet, may I say to you, there's something about people who live lives with faith in God that we have to be anchored in the Lord. So if it doesn't go exactly like you hope it will, if it doesn't get better, you can still stand in the face of adversity and have faith in God. You see, there's a fundamental difference in optimism and faith. I hear people saying, I'm a man of faith. What they really mean is they're optimistic. That's not faith in God. Faith in faith is not Bible faith. Faith in God is Bible faith. And the difference in optimism and faith is this. Optimism hopes the circumstances will change. Faith puts its hope in the God who never changes. I can be optimistic and say, I think this is going to turn around. I think it's going to get better. I think the government's going to finally wake up. I mean, that's optimism right there. But Bible faith and hope says, if the whole world keeps losing their mind. Anybody else notice they've lost their mind lately? My God is where he has always been, seated on the throne of the universe, and I can trust him no matter what he does, even from my perspective, if it doesn't get better. Before we walk through the story, let me show you something. Hold your place here. Everybody put your left hand in Daniel, and with your right hand, go to the New Testament book of 2 Timothy with me for just a moment. Let me show you something I noticed the other day in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We used to have a Bible teacher named Frank Sells that would come and teach frequently. And I love Frank Sells, and I love him more now than I did when I heard him because so much he said is coming back to me. Frank Sells said one day, he said, Truth is not always found in the acceptance of one extreme or the other. Sometimes it's found in the acceptance of both. In other words, both things can be a reality. We don't ignore either one. You don't, you don't run from one extreme to the other. You just accept that both can be true. Here's an example. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I don't know any verse I've had quoted to me any more in the last year and a half than that verse. Everybody says it like this too. Well, you know, preacher, <sighs> evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. That's true. Read the next verse. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned. Would you do something? Take your pen, and I want you to circle the first word of verse 12. What's the first word of verse 12, church? Say it, please. What is it? Yea. That means yes. That's a word of affirmation, agreement, acknowledgement. Yes. Evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. Yes, all that live God in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But then circle the first word of verse number 14. What's the first word of verse 14? But. Don't you love it when God butts in? Somebody say, well, wait a minute. Is it, is it bad? Oh, yes, 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 it's bad. But God is still good. Are sinners Doing their worst? Yes, sinners are doing their worst. Watch this. But the gospel is still the power of God unto salvation. Is the world dark? Oh, yes. But our God is still the God of perfect light. Have the gates of hell thrown some, some um, enemy arsenals at God's people? Oh, yes. But it's still true that the gates of hell will not prevail against God's church. Is it true that men are ruling? Yes, but it is equally true, oh, even more so because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, that God is overruling the evil and ruling the good. In other words, yes, we acknowledge that certain things are a reality, but we acknowledge that God is greater than every bit of that. 
We're not sticking our heads in the sand, acting like the world's not in a mess right now. It is in a mess right now. But aren't you glad we serve a God that steps right in the middle of our messes? And so I ask you again, what if it doesn't get better? Go back with me to the book of Daniel. Let's walk through these verses just a moment. I've just been meditating on it all week, and it, it's helped to me, and I hope it will encourage your faith tonight. I want you to mark something. What is the first word of verse 17? Daniel 3, verse 17, they're speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. First word, what is it? Circle it in your Bible. If. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. If. In other words, this is the if of uncertainty. They did not know how it was going to turn out. They, they did not know if he was going to cast them into the fiery furnace. They did not know what God would do in the fiery furnace. In retrospect, everything's clear. They did not know. So the if of verse 17 is the if of uncertainty. Oh, but hasten to verse 18. And notice their answer. But what's the next word? Circle it in your Bible in verse 18. And may I point something out to you? That the if of verse 17 and the if of verse 18 are very different. The if of verse 17 is the uncertainty of circumstances, but the if of verse 18 is certainty in God. Watch, please. The first if says, we don't know how this is going to turn out, but the second if says, we have so abandoned ourselves to God that whatever God chooses, we just believe it's going to be right. What if it doesn't get better? What if a disease doesn't go away? What if your favorite politician doesn't win the next election? What if the economy doesn't rebound like you hope it will? What if? I say to you, if all of that is true, and if nothing goes your way, and you're a believer, you can still go to bed tonight and sleep in peace and get up tomorrow morning in purpose because God Almighty is still on the throne of the universe. So what if it doesn't get better? Well, let me give you several truths. Would you just walk through the verses with me? Start in verse 16. Here's how they started. They said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Number one, would you write this down? If it doesn't get better, we can still be bold. By the way, their circumstances were not going to get better. If you read, starting in about verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar gets so ticked off, he heats the fiery furnace up a little extra for it and sends them into it. It didn't get better for them at first, and yet God has made a way so that his children can live with confidence. Watch, please. My confidence is not the confidence of self. It is not the confidence in men. It is not confidence in circumstances. It is not confidence in money. It is confidence in a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if it doesn't get better... I want you to know God has made a way so that you don't have to cower in a corner. You don't have to live timid and hesitant all the time. You don't have to live a tentative life. You can still stand up and say, we are not careful in this matter. Do you know what that literally means? It literally means they looked a king, the strongest, most powerful man on earth in the face, and said, we are not shy about telling you what we're getting ready to tell you. Now, I want to tell you something. All over this country right now, godless people are standing up and shouting from the rooftops their obscenities and blasphemies. It's about time God's people got a little Holy Ghost gumption in their souls again and stood up and spoke out and said, we're not going to be intimidated. We serve the God of eternity. And even if it doesn't get better, we're going to be bold for Jesus Christ. Amen. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Oh, dear friends, don't let fear define your life. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. 
Fear will paralyze your soul. It'll keep you from moving forward. It'll keep you wanting to stay in bed in the morning. It'll keep you fearful all through the day. Don't live by fear. Have faith in God. And I want you to know that the boldness they exhibited was the boldness that grows out of that kind of faith in the Lord. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You may still have to go into the fiery furnace, but the peace of God can still be in you. Even if it doesn't get better, you can be bold in Christ. Here's a second truth. Look at verse number 17. If it be so, our God, whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Would you write down a second truth? If it doesn't get better, not only can we be bold, but if it doesn't get better, God is still God. We have faced so little persecution, so little difficulty. We're spoiled. That's what we are. We become soft. That's why our faith is so weak and anemic and rattled by the least little thing. Because we know nothing of Bunyan sitting in prison for preaching the gospel. We know nothing of that. We talk about it, but it's history and memory to us. It is not present reality. And yet I say to you, if something doesn't change, some of that fire is coming our way. And all of us better settle something in our hearts. No matter what men may do, God is still God. Look at the verse. He is, he's God, but he's not just God. Look at it. He's our God. Is he your God tonight? Yeah. You better be able to say he's yours, not just your preacher's God or your church's God or your daddy's God or your grandma's God. Is he your God? And then look at the verse again. He's not only God and our God, he's an able God. Able for what? Yes, able for all the above. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or even think according to his power that works inside of us. He's the God who said, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God is still able. But then, look at it again. He's not only God and our God and able God. He's the God who will. When I say will, I did not say he will do everything you tell him to do. Look at the verse carefully. What they actually declared was he will deliver us, mark this expression in your Bible, out of thine hand. They didn't know exactly how God would do that. They just believed that God would do that. Why? Because they saw themselves in a greater hand than the king's hand. How many saved people are here tonight? All right, I'm going to tell you where you are right now. Somebody said, I'm sitting in Hickory, North Carolina. No, that's where you are physically or geographically. Some of you say, I'm in a mess right now. No, that's where you are financially or circumstantially. But I'm going to tell you where you are right now. You are seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places, and Jesus said you are in his nail-pierced hands, and he's in the hand of the heavenly Father, and no man and no devil in hell can pluck you out of our God's hands. One way or another, you will be delivered out of the hand of the enemy. It may be in this world or it may be in the world to come, but one way or another, hallelujah, we're on the winning side. So if it doesn't get better, we can be bold. If it doesn't get better, God is still God. Here's a third one. Look at verse number 18. But if not, be it known unto the old king that we will not. Would you do this? In verse 17, mark God will. He will. We always know God's going to do the right thing. But in verse 18, they're not talking about what God's going to do. They're talking about what they're supposed to do. Notice their will, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Would you write this truth down? If it doesn't get better, it is still right to do right. 
The temperature's getting turned up, friends. It's getting turned up. The fiery trial, which is to try you, it's coming. It's at the door. You understand? And I want you to know, if ever there was a time for God's people to be in their place, doing their part, it is right now. This is not the moment for retreat. This is not the moment for distraction. This is not the moment to take a step back. This is the moment to stand up, keep your eye on the prize, and say, Jesus is coming, and I'm going to do right till I see him face to face. Oh, Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said, do right till the stars fall. Well, I want you to know, at the end of the world, the stars are going to fall. Till that day happens, or till we see Jesus face to face, God's people must still be God's people. It is still right to pray. It is still right to walk with God. It is still right to exercise faith. It is still right to assemble with God's people. It is still right to witness of your faith to the laws. Just keep doing right until Jesus Christ comes again. And if it doesn't get better... Let your name be among the names of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah in the annals of God's record. Here's a fourth truth. Look at verse number 24. Skip down just a little bit, would you? Here is what old Paul Harvey used to call the rest of the story. Verse 24, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and rose up in haste and spake, and said unto his counselors, Oh, I love this. I like to read the Bible with some imagination. I hope it's sanctified imagination. Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. Hold on to your seat. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Who told a pagan king God had a son? Jesus didn't begin at Bethlehem. The Holy Spirit didn't begin at Pentecost because God is the everlasting God. He's always been. He is today and he'll always be. And I love this. Here we are in the Old Testament and Jesus shows up right in the middle of the mess. Would you write this one down, number four? If it doesn't get better, Christ is still going to be with you. He'll be with you. He's the one who said, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. He's the one that said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's the one the psalmist said, If my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. When the dearest on earth are no longer near to me, Jesus is a very present help in time of trouble. If it doesn't get better, just know this, that the God who is better is very near to you. Look at the verse. The Bible says in verse 25, he said, I see four men loose. I can see the king. I can see the king going like this. One, two, three, four. One, two, three. Hey, come over here just a second. Look, your eyes are better than mine. How many guys you see standing in there? Watch, please. There weren't three. There was what? Four. And he calls it, at the end of the verse, the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Would you write this down somewhere in the margin of your Bible? The fourth is actually the first. Because he was in there before you ever got in there. Amen. See, he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Hey, whatever you're going to face on Monday, that's tomorrow. You all remember that, right? Whatever you're going to face on Monday, you ready for this? This will blow your mind. Jesus is already in your Monday. Because he's not bound by time or circumstance or anything except for our unbelief. Christ is already there. And the fourth is actually the first. And whatever you're dealing with and whatever you're going through, he's present with you at this moment. 
I love this active word. They're walking. They're not standing. They're not, they're not huddled up in the fetal position. They're not uh, trying, to, trying to figure a way out of the fire. They're walking in the midst of the fire. Would you mark that expression, in the midst of the fire? Matter of fact, just for fun, just for fun, turn back one page in your Bible. Still in chapter 3, look at verse 6. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the what? Midst of a burning fiery furnace. Look at verse 11. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Look at the end of verse 15. He should be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Look at the end of verse 20, into the burning fiery furnace. Look at the end of verse 21, into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Look at the end of verse 23, into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Look at verse 25 again, in the midst of the fire. And look at the end of verse number 26, they came forth of the midst of the fire. Anybody get in the picture? Let me use a deep theological West Virginia term. Y'all probably don't know this term down here, but let me use it. They were right smack dab in the middle of it. And guess where Jesus was? Whew. Right there in the midst with them. And I just tell you, Jesus doesn't wait till you figure it out or fix it to show up. He comes to you right in the middle of it. When you don't know how you got there and you don't know how you're going to get out, do you know why? Because only there does Jesus get the glory for it. If it doesn't get better, friends, rest in this. Jesus Christ is with you. Let me read you a verse. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. I say to you tonight, Jesus has never failed us, never forgotten us, never forsaken us, and he's not about to start right now. If it doesn't get better, Jesus said he would never leave us alone. Let me give you one more. Let's read the end of the story. Start with me in verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace. And Bacon said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. Now that would be a miracle in itself. I mean, that's miraculous. But look at verse 27. Isn't this just like God who always exceeds expectations? And the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their heads singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Brethren, nothing's going to touch you unless God lets it touch you. Not even the stink of it is going to be on you when you're done. Listen, when you got the fragrance of Jesus on you, the stink of this world doesn't stick to you. They'd been so near to the Lord that nothing else in that furnace mattered. Listen to me. You, you're going through something right now? I don't know who I'm preaching to. There are people in this room with hurts and needs and desperate situations, and you're right in the middle of the fiery furnace, and you say, yeah, but you don't know what I'm dealing with. No, but you need to recognize Jesus is there with you in the midst of it, and if you can begin to acknowledge his presence and worship him, hey, there is victory in the presence of Jesus Christ. You're not just in the middle of a furnace. You're in the middle of God's presence. Look at verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who would have ever thought those words would have come out of Nebuchadnezzar's mouth? 
who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word. I like it. And yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I've written in the margin of my Bible, they got promoted, but God got the glory. I believe that. Would you write down this fifth truth? If it doesn't get better... It will get better in the end. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Why is that? He answered it in Ecclesiastes, because God makes everything beautiful in his time. See, you and I see where we are in the midst of it, but we don't see the end from the beginning like God does. But you listen to me. For the child of God, the best day you're ever going to live is the day you see Jesus face to face. And the world's going to burn up. It's all going to burn up someday. Let me tell you what God's going to do. He's already told us what he's going to do. He's going to make all things new. And right now, he's preparing a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. And I tell you, if it doesn't get better here, it's going to get better there. For the child of God, it's always going to get better in the end. I was thinking about this this week. Some people, God delivers them from ever going into fire. I mean, they never even enter in. God just takes them out before they ever hit that. Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 57 verse 1 says that men do not consider that God takes away the the men, the just man before the judgment comes. I, I really believe this. I don't know what you think of this, but I really believe this. Isaiah 57 verse number 1 is teaching us that sometimes God has such mercy on somebody before a mess ever comes that they have to live through and endure. He just takes them on to glory. I believe that. And I think sometimes while we've, been, while we've been mourning the loss of someone on this side, if we could see it from the other side and realize what God spared them from, we would rejoice with them. And then other people, God delivers them through that fire. In other words, while they're in the middle of it, God takes them on and they're delivered. But then there are those that God allows them to come all the way through it and come out the other side, watch, and out of that fire they come out. And when they come out, listen to me please. They come out different people. Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah were different men coming out of the fire than they were going in. And I wonder, could it be that God has put his church through some things and allowing us to go through some things, even at this juncture, watch, so that when we come out the other side, we will be more the church that Jesus died for, more the church Jesus is building. Less of us and more of him. And not only, not only do we come out with a testimony, but watch this. When we come out with a testimony, all those lost people, they don't just see us, they see God in us. Don't you love this? They're not talking about Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah at the end of the chapter. They're talking about Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah's God. Could it be the Lord is working in our situation and circumstance right now, and it really is not so much about us, it's about some lost sinner that needs to see Christ in us? And ultimately, it's not just that we get a testimony and they get a Savior, but in the end, God gets all of the glory. And I ask you again, what if it doesn't get better? Can you rest tonight? Can you start your day tomorrow? Can you, 
Keep putting one foot in front of another. Can you do right? Can you keep your eyes on Jesus? Can you raise your kids with hopefulness? Can you, can you speak with a glad heart? Can you keep the joy of the Lord in your family? What if it doesn't get better? Can you still witness for Christ? Can you live by faith and stay in the Word and keep your soul encouraged? Can you stay on your knees? What if it doesn't get better? Can you still pass out a track and speak a testimony for the Lord? Can you still say to somebody, my God is able to save you because he saved me? What if it doesn't get better? I say it is time for all of God's children to rededicate themselves. You know, we throw that word around a lot. But I believe right now is the time for all of us to reconsecrate ourselves to God and say, from now to the finish line, from today to the day we meet around the nail-pierced feet of Jesus at the throne of God, we're just going to stay the course no matter what God does. Lord, if not, we're still going to trust you and we're still going to stand. Even if it doesn't get better. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.